Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Hello and welcome to the game. I'm Gabriel Marcotti and I'm here with 40 minutes of total football fact and also some opinion as well. My dream team this week is Tony Cascarino, Matt Hughes, and of course, Rory Smith. Now you will note that Rory sounds far away and that's because he's out and about. He's at the Paralympics, is that right Rory? I am indeed. I'm coming at you live, or not live, from the Paralympic Park, we should probably call it now. It's very sunny. There you go, a bit of wheelchair hoops later, right? Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it. All righty, it, it is actually one of the better spectator sports in the Paralympics, in my humble opinion. Later on, we'll be discussing the transfer window and who's done their job well this summer. But first, Liverpool and Arsenal, uh, that's where we start. And uh, I'm going to start with you, Husey, because and I want to start with Brendan Rodgers' comments afterwards, not about the game. But the ones where he says, and, and you need to help me out with this, because he says, well, had I known that we weren't going to get another striker, I wouldn't have let Andy Carroll go. And I was very confident that we were going to get another striker. Now, I just want to understand this. Brendan Rodgers is the manager. He doesn't have a director of football. I, when he signed, it was part of the negotiation that you know he would be ultimately responsible. I think he only answers to the um, chief executive and the owners. So basically, when he says that, he's basically saying that he screwed up, yes? I don't think he's saying he screwed up. I think he's saying that the owners and this chief executive wouldn't give him the money he wanted to sign the, the play he wanted, which, as we all know, is Clint Dempsey. Um, so why did he let Carroll go? Well, he couldn't figure out that they were. They said, "Oh, here's the money. Dempsey's done. Oh no, look, haha, <laughs> he's not done. Oh, when you let Carroll go, oh shame." Well, he gambled that he could persuade them and win the win the battle of wills, and quite clearly he couldn't. So, from his point of view, it's a miscalculation. But I think in Liverpool, the heat will not be on Rodgers; it will be on on the owners, which explains this. Uh, very hastily constructed and posted open letter to the fans this morning from John W. Henry, which is a bit of a sign of an early panic in my view. Roy? Yeah, I agree with I agree with Husey, as always. I, I think it, it came down to a calculated gamble from, from Rogers. He felt that letting Carroll go would 
force FSG to sort of open the purse strings a little bit and, and they didn't ultimately they did put a bid in for Clint Dempsey we don't know how much for but estimates suggest it wasn't around the 6 or 7 million that both Spurs and Villa made firm offers for and FSG wouldn't go higher so what's happened is that Rod- Rodgers I think has to take some responsibility because Rodgers played the Carroll situation dreadfully from the start but there's no question that he's not being supported in the market by, by his owners they, they've, they've condemned him to go through four months of the season with, with two fit strikers one of whom needs about five chances to score a goal and the other who, of whom looked relatively raw I'm sure Barini's a good player but he, he, he's not sort of a, a proven goal scorer so yeah I'd, I'd say as you did that the, 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 the ultimate responsibility kind of rests with FSG but Rogers did play the Carroll situation very poorly Right am I right in thinking uh, and I'll come to you in a second cast <coughs> that when Rogers was appointed um, he didn't want a director of football. And that, as Tony Barrett told us, originally FSG were wedded to the idea of having a, you know, a guy who, who coached the team and, and having a director of football who would be a specialist dealing with transfers. And then when Rodgers came in, it was part of the conditions that he'd be the big boss and he'd know what to do, even though the guy is 39 years old and has had one season in the Premier League. So, I mean, is it fair to dump everything on the owners? Because, I mean, directors of football, other managers work with budgets and restrictions as well, right? Yeah, well, I think the, the, the key point here is that FSG, there's no question, had a, had a plan in mind when they, when they got rid of Kenny Dalglish and Damien Camoli. They wanted a sort of, I guess you could call it like a management board. They wanted three people, I think, one of whom would be the manager. Oh, sorry, four, including the manager. So you've got the manager doing the, the coaching stuff. You've got a director of recruitment, uh, sort of a glorified chief scout. You've got someone sort of a, in the chief executive managing director role. And then you had a, a space, I think, for for someone who would oversee the implementation of a philosophy at the club. And I, as far as I know, that was meant to be Pep Segura, who's now left Liverpool. What happens when Rodgers gives his, his 180-page dossier to FSG is they're so impressed that they think, right, this is the guy we want, and he won't won't work with the director of football so we can't have that management structure in place and FSG completely it's complete about turn from what they wanted and, and to me that, that's worrying because it sounds like they're kind of making up their policy on the hoof Cass? I'm confused um, this is something like the Batman the Riddler because I'm hearing some strange things from all different parties. I read Sam Allardyce this morning talking about every manager, the reason why Carroll is there, because Brendan Rodgers goes, uh, Rodgers goes a different direction. Now, Brendan Rodgers has, has said all summer, really, that Carroll didn't have a place at Anfield. They spent £35 million on him, and how can you have a, a £35 million player on way, the bench? That's a very intelligent thing to do when you're trying to sell something. To yeah. come and say, like, oh, I don't need this anymore. Look, it's worth no, this No, 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 no. Hey, how much you want to buy Gab, Gab, because you say things like that, it doesn't make people go, oh, I'll go and spend it because Brendan, Brendan Rogers or any other manager no, but, touts his player when up. You, they, when you talk down your ass, no, it, it hurts the value of your yeah, asset. Of, of, well, that's what I'm saying. People are not that daft, are they? Are they really that naive? Andy Carroll, if they've talked to Andy Carroll down even more, would you think Sam Allardyce would think, oh, he's right, I'm not going to go after no, him? No, 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 I'm telling the opposite. I'm saying Andy, look, Sam Allardyce makes up his mind about whether he needs yeah. Carroll or not. He says, oh, wow, Absolutely. I can get him at a better price because I see value in him that Brendan no, Rodgers, who wants to play football in a different way, perhaps doesn't. But That's if what I'm you don't, Gab, if you don't fancy a player, you don't think he's part of your plan. He's not good enough for what you want. Why, even if you didn't bring a striker, why are you keeping him? 
You don't fancy him. Do you think you'll get a lot out of Andy Carroll if you if he actually knows, which he would have done, that the manager don't fancy him? Because now, the, the skill is selling players well because it's not your money. It's but to uh, say yesterday, money. but to say yesterday that you know um, I wouldn't have sold if I didn't know I couldn't bring anybody in, or I wouldn't have prepared to let Andy go. You didn't fancy him. You didn't rate him, and it was blatantly obvious from day one. You didn't. The first moment he walked into Liverpool Football Club, he talked about Carroll, and it was all in the papers straight away that Carroll had no future at Liverpool under Brendan Rodgers so to me I was very very confused and to say again last week he's a £35 million player you know can't have that sort of player on a bench there's been many expensive buys over the last few years the big top four clubs have had players of maybe not as much but very close to that value on the benches that happens at big football clubs and the trouble is Liverpool are not that at the moment uh, I know a team that won the Champions League last year with the £50 exactly. million pound striker exactly. on the bench but that's uh, that's a whole other issue mm. um, let's uh, uh, let's go into the game uh, Matt um, if you're one of those trust in Arson guys you could point out that um, Arsenal are undefeated this season and they haven't yet conceded a goal um, and that's despite all the doom and gloom about Van Persie and Song leaving uh, are you are you on message with that? Uh, to an extent I, I trust Arson saying how to do to motivate the players he's got and to produce good football teams and to, and to win games in August I think the problem is as it's been for five years that his squad isn't big enough I think on the day they can beat anyone but they'll have bad days and when Diaby is injured and when Podolski is injured there'll be no one who can come in and play the goals and score a goal so I don't think one win makes their season and I still think if they finish fourth they'll have done very well which might be good enough for I don't know because he's on the board, but probably won't be good enough for the fans. And, and Miranda goes again. Uh, Hughes, you just said when Diaby is injured um, and when Podolsky is injured, not if Diaby and Podolsky are injured. Are, are you deliberately trying to jinx the Gunners? Uh, well, of course not. But you look at Diaby's stats, it's amusing. I was watching Match of the Day 2 this morning and um, they were talking about Diaby as if he was a new player who just signed for Arsenal and um, he was compared to Patrick Vieira. This is a guy who's been at Arsenal. No, no, no. no. Don't, don't tell me that. Please don't. Hughes, who compared him to... This makes me so angry. So, so angry. Who compared him to Patrick Vieira? Uh, I think it was Colin Murray, which he's not in... It probably says everything. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just, I mean... He's got long legs, legs. he plays in midfield and he's black, right? So he's just like Patrick Vieira. Oh, and he speaks French. But he can't say. Gabby should be, if you're going to compare him to somebody, you compare him to like a wimpier version of Fellaini, perhaps, or or, or, or Dembele, right? Um, Well, look, people love to be the first to announce that there's this new guy, or I know he's been there for a few years, but he's now like a new signing because he comes in and he played well yesterday. Um, Patrick Vieira, miles away from that. I mean, you... you, uh, Well, Patrick Vieira is a midfielder. Yeah. This guy isn't. No, well, he's he's a player that certainly adds a lot of drive to the midfield and he's powerful and he's he's decent on the ball I mean I've seen him play in a lot of different positions you think he's only decent on the ball I think he's not bad I don't he's no he's no technical genius that's without a doubt but he's not he's not bad Um, but the way that Arsenal play and you know the the movement that's around in any Arsenal Wenger team I thought he'd done okay I mean 
comparing him to uh, Patrick Vieira is totally unfair. And like you like you said, a pretty poor. Well, he's played different position. I mean, I think yeah, but Diaby's played a few positions, Gab. But he's yeah, I know, Arsenal. But he's been all over the place. In, but in, he's an attacking midfielder. I mean, yeah. there's no. I, I don't. I don't well, like labeling people because no. it's, you know dudes on the pitch with the ball. Mm. But uh, as my producer Chris Skinner just handed me a note, you know, last season Frimpong was the new Vieira, and I think that's a much more appropriate I comparison. About him. Uh, Rory, we've uh, we've praised Casorla uh, of the new signings uh, to high heaven, uh, of course. Um, Podolski put in a goal, looked mm. looked sort of that good combination of uh, of, of, of power and, and quickness. Um, Giroud got missed a goal and was yelled at by Gibbs. Now. If I were Giroud, I would go and turn Gibbs into a little puddle of oil for yelling at me like that and say, like, sorry, who the hell are you? I am the center forward. It's my job to shoot from there. And I happen to have missed. Wait, so were you, so by the way, but speaking of, of Giroud, will you back me up on that? that it, from that position, yeah. you don't care if you've got some little wussy left back no. shouting at you. Selfish. It's your center forward. Yeah, yeah. It's your job to score, right? Well, yeah. And lots of the best goal scorers will ignore their colleagues. And you should them. get yelled at yeah. for a guy. And he wasn't even in a better position. No, he was all the way to the left. On the new signing, it does happen at football clubs. Um, we had it was a bad day for for Pepe Reina, and the only reason I say this is because um, the United manager dropped his Spanish goalkeeper. But should Brendan Rodgers or the club be thinking in terms of post Reina right now, or is it just ludicrous even to suggest that? Well, goalkeepers made mistakes. He's made two a week, so. He's- Obviously, going to be concerned, but I think Liverpool have got far bigger problems than than that, as we discussed discussed earlier. Um, Rainer's thirty four, but Brad Friedel was forty one and was making great saves at the weekend for Tottenham. So I don't think he's he's over over the, over the hill just yet. Rory, Cass, I, one of you Liverpool yeah, fans want to yeah. argue Rain, the dropping of Rainer. No, I, I think the problem Liverpool have got there's, there's two things at play with Reina Susie's right you, you shouldn't make sort of immediate reactions one mistake I mean it was very unlucky the goal yesterday it did. it's the sort of thing that just happens occasionally the problem with Reina is that that's actually his third mistake in a mm. week I think in fact there was another one that didn't go pun- get punished yesterday um, and it's, it's after a, a season and a half maybe two seasons where he's not been there was a time when I think Pepe Reina was the best goalkeeper in England uh, he really isn't anymore he's not even top five or six uh, and that is partially because they don't have a proper goalkeeping coach. Pepe's been on at Liverpool for, for at least a year to get Xavi Valero, the goalkeeping coach he had under under Benitez back, or uh, Man- Jose Manuel Otoferena, who was the, the previous goalkeeping coach who brought into the club. And the other thing is that it shows that the worth of a of a decent backup goalkeeper because Raymond knows he's not getting dropped. Brad Jones isn't of sufficient quality. I'm not actually even sure where where Alex Doni is. I don't know if he's still in Brazil, but they don't. He, he, he certainly didn't do a lot of pre-season with, with Liverpool. So. Rainer knows he's untouchable and that that doesn't keep you at the very top of your game which is where a top class goalkeeper has to be all the time so I think there's obviously the transfer window short Liverpool could do a lot by bringing in at least a good, a good quality goalkeeping coach in the next couple of weeks to really get Rainer back no, but, but, but surely that's form. surely Roy that's an issue for the director of football right to, 
oh, but they don't have one. Sorry. Mm. You, you, sh- you should always, every club, you like you have positions and uh, whether you're centre forward, centre half, goalkeeper like Rainer, you want pressure on your number one because pressure does create, you know, fighting for that shirt on a Saturday afternoon. I always think you get a better level of performance from every position on the part. And Pepe Rainer looks like an average goalkeeper, which he is certainly not. He's far better than that. But he's making pretty basic mistakes. We've seen so many individual errors from keepers already this season. You know, bog standard, things straight at them that they're not even keeping hold of. And I would have absolutely had my hat on Pepe Reina uh, two years ago, saving the type of goals that he's conceding at the moment. Um, that's a big concern because it will affect his confidence and people start questioning you at will. But you need to be pressure. And I think, like what Rory touched on and Matt, you've got to have pressure from the second keeper. You know, a, a better number two to, to make you be even a stronger and 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 knowing you have to perform in week in week out let's head over to the uh, St. Mary's but let's keep talking Spanish goalkeepers um, Husey I thought it was pretty remarkable once to, to hear Sir Alex Ferguson come in and say oh yeah De Gea has been dropped because uh, um, you know, he made a mistake in the last game I, I thought it was unusual because you rarely hear a manager criticize his own players um, and you certainly barely hear Sir Alex do that. Um, is it just down to the psychology? And in, in this case, he thinks De Gea will be motivated and react to that. He's not. He's not like. It's not like he's dumping De Gea, right? No, you're not. No, he's certainly not dumping him on the first of September. Um, not even Fergie can do that. It's interesting. One thing you must bear in mind that he won't have said that. He wouldn't have let that slip accidentally. What everything Ferguson says is just calculating and has a reason. I can only assume he's concluded that De Gea is a guy who's more motivated by a stick than a carrot and he thinks that dropping him, making that public, will um, motivate him and improve his performances because there's no doubt he's, he's very, very talented. He just makes mistakes, as, as young goalkeepers often do. Um, so I don't expect his old Trafford career to be over. I expect him to go away, work hard, and, and come come back and get get the shirt back. Lindegaard is a decent keeper, but he doesn't, to me, look like a number one. Cass, is that is it? Was that the thing that you know where you need steak and or carrot? I mean, and were, were you did, did one motivate Cascarino by giving him a carrot or by beating him over um, the head with a stick? Uh, beating, I, I liked right. a good beating, and I reacted. <laughs> I thought that might have been it. Yeah. Um, look, play, managers handle and Fergie's handled many different players in many different ways, and he's normally got the best out of them. And he looks at individuals, he trains with them on a regular basis. You look at characters, and you look at what you think will get the best out of them. Um, I, I thought the alarming thing was, you know, OK, De Gea got dropped. The alarming thing is, was that Man United, as, as a midfield, had nobody who could actually make a tackle or get near. And they were they were alarmingly close to losing the game. I feel like we had this conversation last week. Yeah, well, well <laughs> honestly, it was inc- when I'm watching it, I'm thinking the only way this game can go the other way is if Southampton do what they did and do what so many, many teams have done against United over the years, end up conceding and dropping deep and getting their forwards off and just trying to hang on and and that somehow masked what the you know the other things there were lots of things that were strange about this game on uh, game yesterday on a united perspective more more than in some ways the liverpool arsenal game yeah rory i, I want to get your take on this because i i feel like sort of evra and rafael got a lot of the stick um for for southampton getting back into it but 
the midfield like was pretty I think cleverly gave the ball away for the first goal but they weren't there wasn't in the midfield yeah <laughs> there really wasn't much of one was there well, that's the, the, the great question about, and I'm sure we'll touch on it, the great question about United in the transfer window is, is Ferguson's apparent sort of pathological desire not to find a midfielder, which is, I mean, I, I just can't explain it. You know, you, you look at United and you think, well, what they need on certain occasions, not, not at Old Trafford, they don't, they don't, you know, don't, the lesser lights of the Premier League, they don't, they don't need a defensive midfielder then, that's absolutely right. But in games like yesterday's where you've got a team who are sort of really up for it and roaring forward for sort of first hour or so, you need somewhat, you need a holding player in there. It's fairly basic stuff, surely, and 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 I think that's a that's an obvious shortage for, for Manchester United, and I, I I don't think anybody really knows why Ferguson doesn't seem to be bothered by it. Um, Usually, from all the negativity, let's talk positives. Now, Robin van Persie takes the worst penalty in the, in the history of humanity, just about, um, but then he scores a hat trick, and I, I don't know. I kind of got the impression looking at this game that. If Van Persie doesn't sign for United in the summer, United do not come back and win this match. Um, and as I was trying to sort of figure out why did they sign Van Persie, I'm sort of coming to the conclusion that because maybe they know that there's games like when Rooney's not there, when they're going to struggle in midfield, struggle at the back, and they need the added value guy um, who can who can do that because uh, it's not going to come from other areas of the pitch, perhaps. Um, am I getting a little bit too excited about RVP and his hat trick here? I, I don't think so. I was I was there yesterday. It was, it was a brilliant game to watch. But United were desperately poor for eighty nine percent of the game. Ended up winning, and that's down to one man. I can't think of any other player in the Premier League who would have scored the goals Van Percy did yesterday. I think he had, if you include the penalty, he had five chances. He scored three goals and missed a penalty. That's how um, clinical he can be. Um, and there were signs that when United get it right, particularly at home against poor teams, he's going to score a hat for Valencia. Play a great cross for him for the first goal. I think that's going to be a really productive partnership for them. Um, and the issue for Fergie is who is going to play around on Percy. Um, because he, when, he, when he's in the form of his life, he has been for like 18 months, he, he has to play. But United you know, have got so many attacking options. I don't think that Ferguson knows where to use them. And it's going to be fascinating to see if and where Wayne Rooney comes back into the team. I had one theory yesterday that Fergie was um, maybe going to play in midfield because he can't get in the team up front and um, he's got so few options in midfield. So I'll be one to watch. Um, Roy, I, I need to come to you on Gaston Ramirez for, for obvious reasons. Um, if Southampton keep playing like this, He's going to fit in really, really nicely because you've got the the clinical, intelligent, wily finisher um, Lambert or Lambert, as some of us like to call him, um, and you've got the genius of of Gaston coming in and meshing with Lalana, and they're going to stay up, aren't they? Well, they've had a, each other a false position there, isn't it? They've played both Manchester clubs, and, and the defeat to Wigan, I think, was very disappointing. But yeah, I mean, Southampton—they're certainly not going to sort of wilt in the Premier League and, and go straight back down. That's not what they've got better players than that Lalana, I think fantastic Stephen Davis I said the other day is, is is an incredibly intelligent sign and really experienced stunned that no one took him from Rangers quicker than that um, no the, the Ramirez will fit into that style I think because you know, presumably on sort of wide right of the front three with Lambert and Lalana up front that he'll he, you know they, they play the sort of football that, that can get the most out of a player like that the issue would obviously would always be whether how quickly Ramirez gets used to the tempo at which English football is played because you know Italian football 
football, as you know, Dabby played at a slower tempo, I think that's probably fair to say. And, you, you know, although Uruguay is the finest footballing nation on the face of the earth, After they, you, too, sure. they too have um, a slightly slower sort of style. So it, it, there'll be a, sort of a period of adaptation for Ramirez. It's a great sign. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, if, if, if it comes off, it's a really ambitious sign. It's a real statement of intent. Um from Southampton and yeah they, they, they look good enough Certainly, I, I don't think they'll, they'll have an easy season I think they'll, they'll shift a lot of goals but they, uh, they, they have enough about them attacking going forward to, to have a chance of staying up Hughie you were actually at the St Mary's um, and uh, so would like you to weigh in on Southampton as well do you agree with your fellow Yorkshiremen that because of uh, the Italian chief executive they will definitely stay up not sure that's quite what he said, but um, hey, they're going to be fun to watch, aren't they? Three games so far, I think it's what, 12 goals in total. So, yeah, they, they do have good options as well um, going forward, particularly. It's just a case of how many goals they're going to concede. I was a bit worried by the goalkeeper, actually, yesterday, Kelvin Davis. I know he saved the penalty and he's a club stalwart who was there in League One, but his kicking and distribution was appalling. And he was responsible for gifting United many of the few chances they did have so they're going to have to tighten that up if they're going to stay up Conceded eight, eight goals in three games is a big you know, big problem you're going to have to score three to win if they continue and yeah they've played the two Man United clubs but they've played Wigan at home which you'd expect you know, any chance they're going to have to get something from that type of game Right so the transfer window is now shut and um for the time being, till, till January. If you want to hear our thoughts on this, feel free to download last week's uh, uh, podcast. But I want to take a look at what how some of the clubs have uh, have operated in the summer and who we think has actually done done a good job. And um, two clubs that, that that come to mind, Cass, because you mentioned them just before we came on, were um, West Ham and uh, and and QPR. Now. Um, 
two clubs who, had they not spent a considerable amount of money, would likely be fighting to uh, avoid relegation. Yeah. Um, QPR spent £19 million getting a, a whole grab bag of uh, superstars, real or presumed, including uh, Granero from Real Madrid, uh, Parchi Sung from United, Julio Cesar from Inter Milan, uh, Stefan Mbia from, uh, from Marseille. Uh, they made Yaquita's deal uh, personal, uh, sorry, permanent. Uh, I'm sure it was personal before that. Um, Robert Green, which is kind of mm. funny because then they got the other goalkeeper. Um, which uh, was even funnier, Gab, that they, he was on a free transfer and they only signed him for two years, so they obviously didn't fancy him as much you know, go and get another keeper because a two-year contract for a goalkeeper on a free who's an England keeper was a very, very short-term contract. Yeah. Um, Andy Johnson. Yeah. And, uh, and but anyway, um, £19 million. Pounds. Is, is that the price of staying up? Are you, are you impressed with all that? Um, well, they, they they hugely put a lot of uh, efforts into staying up last year when the, the you know, and they went for people like Sissé who was on the bench on Saturday. Um, they've gone for positions all over the park. You know, Bosingwa full-back, new goal, or two new goalkeepers. Uh, Andy Johnson, who obviously Mark Hughes had worked with at Fulham. Uh, NBA, Marseille, a different, you know, a player who they wanted, a more of a holding sort of sitter and a, a playmaker that we, we sort of expect all clubs to have in the Premiership um, they've had a tough opening games they've played some tough matches already you know Man City away is a real big yeah, ask it's just to assess uh, what they've done rather than what they've well, played they're, they're, I think these guys are generally it's a grab it's they're, they're like, a, a, like a ass backwards grab bass of, of turds with the exception I mean well, you Hoyle, Stefan Mbia has come from seven injuries Parchi's song is, is done Ryan Nelson's 35 years old Robert Green stinks Julio Cesar <laughs> yeah. you know uh, Andy I, Johnson I, I, a little well, midget? No. Seen, uh, anybody seen him last year? Well, Am I harsh here? No, I, I think you've no, totally fair. exaggerated. No, I, I, ninety just, million they're, they're pounds. Not all, no, they're not all done, Gab. That's absolute nonsense. Some of them, you but you go go and get transfers, and you, you're never guaranteed any return. Sometimes well, you never guaranteed. No, but, but spending nine million pounds. No, on, on we Granera. had this conversation a few weeks ago. Nineteen million pound is not a lot of money. For a club, it's not. Whether you think it is or not, that doesn't even buy a Van Persie. Yeah. For clubs to stay up, they need five. Doesn't even buy yeah. a Van Persie. How many clubs buy a Van Persie? No. Can you help me here, Rory? Please. I, I've got. I, I think you're exaggerating slightly, Gab, which isn't something I normally associate with you. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I do agree. Whole load, of, I, whole load of turd, his actual words. No, were, I, yeah, I, I don't. Which is a, it's pushing it a bit, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, 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 I do admit the thing that worries me with, with, with QPR is sort of twofold. One is that I don't think there's any plan, and there seem to have been two stages to the transfer window. The first bit where they went and got Johnson and Nelson and Green on freeze, which seemed quite sensible. Uh, and then the second bit where they suddenly decided they wanted to sign loads of players uh, who all have one thing in common, uh, such as Julio Cesar. They were going to get Granero, who's a brilliant player, Granero, although, again, usual problems with, with adapting to uh, to English football. Yeah, so, and, and, and the issue that then leads to is that they have this massively bloated squad. And who is paying the wage? How are they paying the wages? They, they get 18,000 at Loftus Road. Tony Fernandez has money, I think, but... I don't know whether he's got enough to, to supplement all of those wages because you've got to imagine that Julio Cesar and Dinero are going to be on substantial amounts of cash. So I think there, there is a... To me, not all the players are turds. As you say, I think Dinero and Mbia... All the players signing. were turds. I said, I said for the amount of money that's being spent on them and the amount of money that's being spent on, on wages, you just wonder where the plan is. Like, Granero well, was, was I, a yeah, great player three, four years ago, but you know he was basically he basically carried Mourinho's clipboard the last couple of years. Yeah, 
I think the, the issue, I mean, Granero to me is the, the one, Granero and Beer, I think are, are fine. I don't think you get many people arguing with those, but it's the lack of plan. Did they really need to sign Ryan Nelson, who's presumably on relatively big money? Did they really need to get two goalkeepers? I don't think they did. So, the yeah, the, the, it's, the, it's the money that's been spent on wages, how they support that. And what the, what what Mark Hughes' policy in terms of signing was, did he, did, he, did, did he have a list of players to fit certain positions that he needed? Bafinwa. Did they need Bafinwa? Is Neda Manua not a good enough right-back for a team who wants to finish 10th in the Premier League? I'd, you know, is it wait, really worth paying the thing with what, 70 or 80 pounds a week, which is what it'll yeah, be on? Yeah, right. I want to ask you about it because that's especially bizarre because, and I, I like to look sort of, I like to be all conspiratorial, but Neda Manua and Mark Hughes have the same agent, correct? Correct. Oh, sorry, the same advisor because he doesn't like it when you call him an agent. So, no, he doesn't. And, and he's an advisor to quite a lot of the people at QPR at the moment. <laughs> that's what I mean. So, how do you explain the, the Basingba deal? Is it just like. Oh look, this guy's you know, got a good pedigree, and he lives in West London, so it'll be very convenient for him to come on board and train. Well, with you us. Think, that, think they, they chose the thing was because of his commute. They thought, yeah. right, well, he, you know, <laughs> he's nearby; he, he can get here in half an hour. That's definitely. Now, but was a, a great fullback. He is now entirely finished. He's he's not good enough to play in the Premier League. There's, you know, there's no shadow. Usually, watch watches Chelsea even more than me. Not well, in fact, quite a lot more than me. Uh, and I'm sure he'd agree. But yeah, I, the Basinwa thing is bizarre. I, I don't. I think it's important that we, we say that this isn't something that's unique to our friend Teodor Abshian. There's a lot of clubs where certain agents have a lot more success with their players than other agents, and that is one of the huge flaws in the way that football scouting works. All right, well, let's move on to another club where I'm sure that you're going to choose you will tell me that that is definitely not the case, and that, of course, is West Ham. Um, another huge spender uh, you know, relative to in terms of net spend for the Premier League. Um, uh, nearly say, about $17.5 million. Um, some of the highlights, of course, Matt Jarvis, uh, nearly $11 million. Um, Modibo Maiga from Sochaux, who, I don't know, I think there's a lot of questions about him. Aludiara, veteran from, from Marseille. But, of course, uh, James Collins, the you know, big, bald center half from the back, who, of course, was at West Ham before, before they sold him. But that's not down to Sam. And... Um, Andy Carroll, of course, the big man up front who started out with a bit of a splash. Um, it's almost too easy to talk about, oh, you know, Allardyce, direct football, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, certainly, they've got the big man, and if they weren't, if they hadn't got Carroll, they would have had uh, Carlton Cole, another big man. Um, great that Jarvis puts, puts a good ball in, although maybe not the quickest player. Um, you are, you're not serious. What? You just said Matt Jarvis. He's like lightning. You know, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Well, so no. Matt Jarvis is a lightning winger, in I, addition to being very technically Well, he's not, he might not be the quickest winger in the league, but he's certainly quick. That's my point. All right. If you say so. Um, yeah, Dab, I've got to say I agree with Chas on that one. All right. Uh, I'm wrong. I don't think... I thought he's kind of sluggish, actually, but hey. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what gives? The verdict on West Ham? Well, I think the difference between QPR and West Ham is it looks like West Ham have got a plan and it's Sam's plan he's he signed players that fit in to the way he likes to play They're, most of them are experienced they've experienced in the Premier League as well crucially which a lot of QPR signings haven't and, and they're, they're, they're powerful physical players who, who can all play and on Saturday they were they look good and well with a free, well with a free goal, three nil win. I think the goals were quite direct, but it was a bit unfair of Martin Yol to talk about their direct football afterwards because West Ham did actually play some nice stuff, and I think that I think they'll be all right. 
Um, let's move to West Brom so that um, so that Rory and I can uh, can sort of bond over Claudio Jakob because I actually think they've they've sort of addressed your needs. They've one million pounds. Um, uh, they got a lot of guys out, um, but Ben Foster I think helps and. Uh, Marcus Rosenberg's been terrible for the last three years, but you know he maybe is worth taking a punt, given he's a free transfer, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Rosenberg, his development stalled, didn't it? Really, he looked a, didn't look out of a player early in his career, but then he was the vertebrae, and he sort of he, he didn't play regularly. I don't know, don't know if he fitted into the way Thomas Scharf played particularly. Um, he may have more luck in England, but yeah, you, you, I think the problem with West Brom is going to be goals. There's a lot of a lot of pressure on them. Windy, I think. Although I would say Shane Long's finish against Everton was superb. It was a wonderful goal to watch, a lovely sort of team goal. But Jakob, who was a player that I I first saw completely by chance for Racing. Uh, in Argentina in the flesh uh, when he was then saw him at one of the under 17 or under 19 World Cups where he really impressed and then he kind of he just sort of disappeared off, off, off the radar I think he was captain of Racing but he never seemed to get linked to move to Europe no one seemed to be looking at him West Brom have taken a chance and it is a chance taking a player straight out of Argentina but he he is he, he must be about 4 foot 10 Claudio Jacob and he competed against Everton with, with Fellaini as if he was about six foot tall, and I think that bodes really well. He's, he's a strapper. He looks a bit like a sort of budget Mascherano, um, with maybe a little bit more going forward. Yeah, I think he's excellent. And with Malumbu, who is one of the most underrated players in the Premier League, next to him, that's a really good central midfield. They've had a great start, West Brom. I think they'll they'll obviously fade. I do worry if they've got enough goals in their side. But no, they've, they've done well this window. I've got to admit. Some of us, of course, were bigging up uh, Malumbu on this very podcast two years ago, but <clears throat> that, that was before Rory joined. Um, Stephen Fletcher, Adam Johnson, Louis Saha. That's a shopping list for your buddy Martin O'Neill. Again, net spend in that 15 to 20 million um, range. Uh, and that's also because they only got the Asamoah Jean money now. Otherwise, if obviously, it would have been, would have been more. Um, you, you impressed with this and the amounts paid? Well, again, it goes to a bit like what we talked about with Sam Allardyce, the direction Martin O'Neill. He wanted, you know, he wanted a wide guy. He, he feels that can... Uh, deliver in Adam Johnson and then Fletcher someone who can finish so it's a, it's very typical to what with Matt Jarvis and Andy Carroll going to West Ham that that's what Martin O'Neill decides he's, he needs and um, and I expect them he, to get more goals via them options because they are players you know Fletcher you know he's, he's a bit of an all-rounder he, he, he's, he's not bad on the ground he's not exceptional he's not quick not bad you know decent in the air and he and he looks like a player that will with Sessignon alongside Sunderland give them more impact going forward so I, I do think that Johnson and certainly uh, Fletcher will give Sunderland a lot lot more Gab I think in, in, in terms of assessing teams transfer windows that's the crucial thing is whether they've they've bought to a plan so it, it's hard to say that say say West Ham have had a better transfer window than Chelsea because Chelsea have signed Eden Hazard and Oscar and whoever else but the fact is that West Ham have, have bought to to a plan they've got an idea in their heads and they're, they're working towards that so Sunderland I think Swansea have done that and that's what as we say what QPR really haven't done is have any sort of approach that makes any sort of logical sense and even United who've obviously signed a wonderful player in Van Persie and another one in Kudawa but they, they haven't addressed one of their key issues and that's surely what the transfer window is for but Swansea I think have actually made money in the uh, yeah. in, in, in the transfer window and they picked up another guy who I really like I, I'm not 100% sure he's going to uh, settle um, and that's uh, Pablo Hernandez the, the Valencia um, winger but um, you know, I, I think they've done they've done extremely um, extremely well. Uh, shout out to Stoke, of course. Picked up Charlie Adam, who 
you know, again, it seems obvious delivery on set pieces. And uh, they also have that, that guy, Jeff Cameron, who I'm, I'm assuming is Rory DeLapp's love child, given the way he takes his, uh, yeah. uh, he takes his throw-ins. Uh, sorry we can give a shout-out to everybody, but hey. All right, time now. <laughs> some quick hits. Uh, total humiliation for Chelsea in the European Super Cup Friday night as a hat-trick for Radamel Falcao put Atletico Madrid 3-0 up by halftime. Atletico would end up winning 4-1, but Matt, um, what did you make of Falcao and uh, why haven't Chelsea signed them? They certainly had enough chances. That's an overused word, but um, Falcao is absolutely sensational. As, as Rory will testify, it's one of the few occasions I was actually excited about watching football. Um, so that, that's how good he was. Um, <laughs> why, why Chelsea haven't signed him is, is a bit of a mystery. And I think it basically goes down to the fact that they spent 50 million quid on another striker 18 months ago and are desperate to have it work and they couldn't afford two fifty million pound strikers at the same time Bravic thought about it in January and again in the summer but figured that if he bought Falcao we have to get rid of Torres um, and he couldn't do that and didn't want to risk undermining the Spaniards fragile confidence even more by finding a better player Falcao Aguero Torres Forlan quite a I don't want to say production line because it actually produced them, but funny how they've all been through uh, uh, the uh, Calderon Stadium in Madrid. Andy Carroll makes an instant splash for his new club, West Ham, who beat up Fulham 3-0. Cass, it's almost too easy to talk about big men and Route 1. But tell me, in terms of Andy Carroll himself, will a season at Upton Park make him a better player? I think he'll benefit, yeah. Playing football week in, week out on, on a guy that's going to you know, make West Ham play in a, in a fashion because one thing that he did, and he did brilliantly in the first half on, on Saturday, was he was a decoy. And that's part of a big man's job. Not only to, to, you know, to be a springboard for the attack, but be a decoy for others around you to get into positions and, and score goals and create opportunities. And I'll tell you what, he ripped them apart with not always having to win the ball. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll benefit enormously. And it's not a concern that he's reunited with his uh, old buddy and the temptations <laughs> of Faces Nightclub and all that stuff? No? Um, it could be a concern. We'll see. Two I'm sure one, Big one, Sam one, will be on top of it. There you go. West Brom defeated Everton in the Derby of Scottish Managers and are now up to second alongside City and Swansea. Uh, Rory, care to give Steve Clark some love? Metaphorically, yeah, metaphorically, Rory. Yeah, I mean, I'm not in a position to do it physically. Uh, I think when, when he was appointed, there was a lot of concern that Steve Clark, there's an element of myth about Steve Clark, that he, he was Mourinho's assistant with great success at Chelsea, but you look at everywhere else he's gone, uh, he's had probably mixed success. But he seems to have got West Brom uh, playing the, the, a sort of a slight hybrid on the way Hodgson had them playing. Uh, some good signings, although a lot of credit there goes to Dan Ashworth, the technical director, who they could could yet lose to the Football Association. He's the favourite for the same role at the FA. And I think that would be a major loss for West Brom. But yeah, as it, as it stands, great start to the season. I'm sure they'll be fine. Don't think they'll be relegated. And Steve Park has to take a lot of credit. Spurs grab a point against Norwich, but Andre Villas-Boas gets booed at the final whistle. Uh, Matt, is the AVB honeymoon just about over? And can you please, please, please explain the rationale with having uh, four goalkeepers at the club? I think the honeymoon was over the day he was appointed, to be absolutely honest. Um, I may well be proved wrong, but I thought Tottenham were mad to appoint him, and more to the point, he was mad to take the job given his 
uh, existing profile in England and the fact that he was replacing a hugely popular manager in Harry Redknapp since then Tottenham have sold their best player not really replaced him not really replaced him they've signed some good players but not of the calibre or type of Modric and he's going to he, he's got a struggle on his hands what he has to do is try and it's difficult for him given his personality to stay pretty calm not fall out of his players and not try to be too um, too revolutionary too too quickly um, as for the goalkeepers yeah Friedel get them in the game on on Saturday so why they need to sign Morris I'm, I'm not sure it's, it's, it's a strange one I guess I guess Morris is going to have to play given the money they've paid for him um, which is a bit of a waste to um, have Fried on the bench and what Gomez is still doing there Lord knows well, if I'm Fried I'm walking into the chairman's office today and uh putting my, uh, my my money where my mouth is and cancelling the contract and saying, like, look, you know, I want to play. He'll probably get a QPR. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's nice one. Manchester City love making life difficult for themselves. They cru- cruise to a 1-0 lead over QPR and then complicate matters by letting the opposition back into the game before rolling to a 3-1 win. Uh, Cass, would you feel better about City's chances of retaining the title if uh, they seem a little bit more in control? Oh, it's been really weird watching them this year. Uh, Anfield, the week before, you know, the way they played and changed their system and that Silver on the bench who's been their creator and then watching them again against QPR, they just, like you said, they don't look in control and you're thinking expecting more for a team that's won the title and just to, you know, move up the level and have the confidence and apart from a late Tevez goal, you know, QPR were very close again like last year of getting something from uh, from Manchester and I I was surprised because they haven't been convincing in the opening three games for me we've talked about him before but seeing his goal uh, against Villa makes me want to talk about him again Hatem Ben Arfa Roy what's different about him and how high can he go uh, he can go as high as his personality lets him. I think the problem, the doubts about Ben Arthur have never been his talent. They've always been about his temperament. He seems to have got that in check at Newcastle, and hopefully it'll hold. And if if it does, then he can. Yeah, I mean, he is one of the most dangerous dangerous players in the Premier League. He's, he's one of those winners who, when he gets the ball, you you just feel not that something's going to happen, but that there's something that you, you sort of get a little tingle of anticipation that he's going to do something. He's a bit in that sense. He's a bit like Aaron Lennon, who's got the same effect but doesn't have the the, the end product. Ben Arthur does. Yeah, I and mean, he's a he's a cracking player. He's one of Newcastle's main sort of threats in a, in a very sort of attacking side, and yeah, he can, he, he can be a, a, a top class footballer if his temperament allows him to be. So he smacked the cover off the ball uh, mm. on Sunday. Gab got one for you. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scored twice at the weekend, but did not celebrate his goals because apparently he's terribly sad. What's wrong, Gab? Um, I don't know, but he he told us that it had nothing to do with uh, with Andres Iniesta winning the uh, UEFA Best Player of the Year award, which uh, uh, I wrote a column about that very subject in the game. Coincidentally, uh, all sorts of rumors going around. Some stations uh, support uh, reporting that he wants to leave. Um, others, like uh, our own Ollie K on Twitter, saying that he's simply being a drama queen. Um, What I find fascinating uh, is how will the manager handle this? Because, of course, Jose Mourinho and Cristiano Ronaldo happen to have the very same agent, super agent, George Mendes. So uh, I think Mr. Mendes is going to be a little bit uh, busy. 
Now that's it for this week. Uh, it's been fun, hasn't it? Come find us on Twitter to share your thoughts or email gamepodcast at thetimes.co.uk. You can go to thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis. Uh, you'll find my excellent column on Mondays. You'll find blogs throughout the week. Uh, Hughes, you got a blog too, right? Yeah, when is the lunchtime? There you go. Every other Wednesday, that's your lunchtime sorted. Uh, till next week, thank you to everyone, and bye-bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.